Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome back to the Fantasy End Podcast. This week, we're talking about reading problematically. We're covering the separation of art from the artist, our own biases, and what we choose to read in the first place, and more. I'm Travis. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm Shania. And I'm here. I guess in the tradition that I'm slowly forgetting because it's been a while since we've done one of these episodes, uh, what's everyone currently reading? Uh, I'll start because I'm in a reading slump, (laughs) but I am uh, currently reading Bilingual Children, A Guide for Parents by Jürgen M. Meisel. And I am not a parent. Uh, I don't have a bilingual child, but I do have a a nephew who I guess will probably grow up bilingually, German-Russian. And so uh, I know that my brother will be too lazy to read something like this or, well, he'll sometimes listen to this podcast, so... My brother doesn't have time to read something like this. So I decided, no, he genuinely doesn't. Um, he has a baby and, and work and everything. And so I decided to read it instead uh, because I haven't had stuff about bilingualism for children since I was an undergrad. And it's genuinely very good. I do recommend it if you have a bilingual child in your life or a child that you'd like to grow, who you'd like to grow up bilingual. They talk, he talks about uh, trilingual children as well. And he is a linguist. So... His book is very dense, but I think it has a lot of like mm, science-based facts and not just, yes, bilingualism is amazing or yes, or like, no, it sucks or whatever. He genuinely tries to bring in information from studies, etc. cetera. Uh, so yeah, it's highly recommended to people if you need this very specific topic. <laughs> and what about you, Sarah? I am currently very slowly going through The Splinter King by Mike Brooks, which is the um, sequel to The Black Coast. And I'm sure the series has a name, but my memory is very bad. I'm going through it very slowly, not because the book is not good, but because I like Shania. (laughs) What? I misunderstood you. I thought you said, I'm going through it very slowly because the book is not good. I I am not. I am not going through it very slowly because the book is not good. It's very good, just like the first book of the series. But I'm kind of in a slump as well. This series have, has been recommended to me by Hugh, um, with whom I've been doing a body read. He finished it in two days, and I'm here two weeks later still reading it. So <laughs> I think if you've been following Hugh, you already know what the book is about because he's been very vocal about it. And uh, well, it's it's a lovely epic fantasy series with a lot of different cultures learning to work together, also with people being murdered and assassinated, which is always very fun to have in a wholesome series. Also dragons. So it has everything you could expect from an epic fantasy book. So yeah, um, I hope I can like steal some pages of it uh, by the weekend because I'm, I'm not really in the reading mood lately. Anyway, what about you, Hugh? Well, I did just finish a wonderful body read of the Splinter King also. <laughs> yeah. It's a very two-way thing, you know, lots of communication. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> I have to say, though, that any book where you can add the words also dragons to the end of the blog, that's a book I want to read, man. <laughs> yeah. 
No, yeah, I read the Splinter King and just a couple of days ago finished The Wisdom of Crowds by Joe Abercrombie. So that's the end of his second trilogy, ninth book in that series. And you know that way you finish a series and you're like, okay, I'm satisfied, but also there is no more books and mm-hmm. I'm upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Is he going back to this world eventually? He fucking better. <laughs> <laughs> Find out by listening to our Joe Abercrombie interview. <laughs> oh. Hold on, is that what... At this point, has that went live yet? <laughs> At the point where this episode is out, yes, it's live. Okay, I thought okay. it was going to put on blast on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm currently reading The Hidden City by Michelle West. I guess it's epic fantasy. I'm not far enough in to really know for sure. Uh, I've just had this book recommended to me really strongly by a bunch of people. And it's easy to see why, because it has that like voice to it where it just sucks you in and you immediately care about the characters. I think the closest that I've seen to that before is maybe Robin Hobbs writing with The Realm of Elderlings. Uh, Yeah, I know. Big, big comps right there. But yeah, so far, it's kind of like a mentor raising a mentee off the streets kind of vibe. Uh, But it's more from the perspective of the mentor than from the mentee. Uh, which is really cool. And Mm -hmm. uh, the mentor, instead of being like, you know, a thief or assassin or someone, he just like is one of the only people in the city who knows that there's a secret hidden city beneath that city. And so he keeps diving down and like raiding all these old ancient magical artifacts and selling them. Huh. Oh, no, I want to read this. Yeah, Yeah. that sounds really good. It is is very uh... good so far. At some point there, I thought you said a mentor raising a manatee. <laughs> I was thinking that's a fucking wild book and I need to read it. I, I would read that. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I would read that. Uh, so we all agree that The Bilingual Children, A Guide for Parents is the most interesting book that we're all reading. <laughs> yeah, and it's definitely the most SFF book out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I guess jumping more into the topic of our episode, reading problematically, I guess I think in fairness, let's center the topic on us first. Talk maybe about maybe some of our internal biases when picking up a book. I know uh, for a long time I was biased against like the young adult genre and perhaps romance as well. And I'm slowly reading more of those, but it's something I kind of have to remind myself to pick them up. Obviously, surprise, surprise, the books are good, (laughs) right? Like it's not a quality issue. How about you guys? I'm biased against epic fantasy. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I am just really put off by the length or something or by the fantasy. No, that sounds weird. But like, I don't know. I just I, I feel like I like things mostly low key. But then once in a while, I do delve into epic fantasy and I'm like, yeah, this is really great. This is so much fun. I'm so excited. But then I never want to pick up another one. So I don't know. I guess I haven't gotten over that bias. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Um, she said while saying that she's currently reading an epic fantasy book and currently hunting for an epic uh, science fiction book to read. But yeah, I'm, I'm a bit like scared by the scale. I don't have a good memory. So if I start a series, I will forget everything by book two. And uh, it's not a comfortable position to be in to try to remember everything again. But I think most of my favorite 
fancy books are <laughs> epic fantasy. So it's it's a weird situation where I'm lazy. I'm too lazy to pick one up, and when I do, I'm like, oh my god, yes, this is my favorite book. Oh my, <laughs> okay, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, I also have a bias against horror, which isn't a well, it's speculative fiction, I guess. But um, I got past it this past year by podcasting the Magnus Archives and uh, reading books like Ninth House, uh, Mexican Gothic, Summer Sons, uh, which made me believe that I do like horror as long as it's very aesthetic and uh, sexy. <laughs> which yeah well okay <laughs> but yeah i like to think um, i've got a balance against horror too but i think really i'm just a bit of a shape bag yeah uh, i think for me it's maybe urban fantasy i think it's mostly because it's kind of got this reputation sometimes with a very horny genre yeah and I don't know how well earned that reputation is because I, to this day, I haven't confronted that bias really to find a bunch of good books in there. But well, sorry, actually, when you read Rivers of London, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's horny to start with too. I mean, yeah, he's a exactly. Sex pest. Yeah. Strange Practice by um, Vivian Shaw isn't horny at all. It's urban fantasy, and I wish it were hornier. Really, but it, it's not. <laughs> it has it has sexy vampires. Fuck sake! So it should be very much. Yeah, no, that's not the point. But uh, yeah, you could try that. It's about a doctor for the supernatural entities and people of London, and she's very like the main character is very like level-headed and very not the um, stereotype of urban fantasy heroines are usually, you know, spitfires and yay, I'm a badass. No, she's like super calm and she is super competent, which is always lovely to read about. So yeah, try this, maybe. Those are the Greta Helsing books, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've been to try those out, actually. I think you'd like them. They're like super not horny. <laughs> what a recommendation. <laughs> like, they're, they're, like, they have enough of romance to be like interesting to me but not to be a turn off for you so this is a good spot <laughs> mm. i know another thing because we've mostly been talking about genre is i think maybe four years ago now something like that i looked at how many books i was reading by men and women and i realized that like 95 percent of them were by men and so that's definitely an internal bias that I did not realize I had until I was made aware of it. Yeah, I think that's the kind of very worthwhile exercise for readers to do, yeah, because what's that? There was that report article thing that did the rounds quite a while ago where most men have a bit of a tendency to overestimate how many women are involved in a thing. Yes. Yeah, so you say, like, maybe you've read 30 books in a year and two of them by women. Ah, like, someone would swear, oh, yeah, I've read at least 25% women. But if you go back and check, then are you really? <laughs> yeah. If we, if I consider all the books I read, it's not something that could ever happen to me because I read romance and it's, like, it's not only a genre written by women, but it's written by a lot of women but when when i see what i was reading in science fiction and fantasy when i first started gotten back to it in i don't remember when maybe 10 years ago um yeah no 
no, no. How old am I? <laughs> oh, <laughs> You're so old, Sarah. You're so old. <laughs> Some existential shit here. How many birthdays have you had at this point? There was a lot. Oh my god. No, uh, I mean, a few years back, I, I, I've gotten back to fantasy and science fiction, and I went to Reddit for recommendations, which meant for me at that point reading mostly men for a long time and then it shifted back to mostly non-men and uh, right now it's a pretty good balance i'd say but uh, it never was a problem for me as a whole if we take into account the other genre i was reading um detective stories romance a lot of i want to say women books but it sounds like so old-fashioned to say like women authored genres well you know if we're talking about stuff like that uh you know 75% 75% of the world is non-English speaking and how many <laughs> books by non-English speaking authors do you read? How much translated literature do you read? I know this is my big rant that I always go on, but I think it's definitely a bias in the English speaking world that that like most people only read things by English speaking authors. I'm not saying there are only authors who live in English speaking countries, although they usually are, I suppose, the translated work is somehow something that people are like, oh, translation is probably not so good because it's not translated. I want to hear the author directly. Or they think it's only all of this like very niche and depressing shit. And it's true that because there's a bias against translated fiction, the fiction that does get published is often more literary um, because that's the only thing it seems like there's a at least some kind of like people want to get an, an audience for. But I do think if people search things out, they will find a lot of really good stuff. Um, And within the past year, I decided that, like, I mean, I don't live in an English-speaking country, so why am I only reading English-speaking authors? And I tried to really get over that, and I tried to really pick up a lot more translated fiction, and I found that it's really good, and there's actually a lot more out there than you think. I think that kind of segs into something else I want you to mention while we recorded this uh... I'm guessing we're going to get into, you know, a bunch of the kind of heavier elements of problematic reading soon. But, you know, I think to some degree it's a bit like, I don't know how to put this, individualistic. uh, It feels a bit like banning plastic straws to save the sea turtles when, you know, there's multinational companies just dumping shit in the ocean. Do you know what I mean? Like. Mm To some degree, it's like putting the onus on the readers to get out there and find this stuff, but are publishers maybe doing enough to put it out there or putting enough marketing forces behind it, do you know? It's a chicken and egg situation. Which comes first, demand or the offer? Especially with something like translated fiction, because, again, in stats, it's like 3% of all fiction published in English in a year is translated. It's something around 3%. And... It often is that it's more small indie publishers who actually take a chance and then they publish this weird stuff. It's always very interesting. But I think this is really like the big publishers, they just really don't think that people will get it, but then, or like people want to get it. I mean, not like they don't understand it, but like they don't want to buy it. Um, But obviously that means that the only thing that's published is more niche, except for, I don't know, one or two big authors. And so... Yeah, it's really hard to say. It's really it's really unfair to say. Because, I mean, when I try to search for something, then, like, I really do have to put a lot of effort into it. And it's, on the one hand, unfair to demand this of people. But on the other hand, I mean, we demand this regarding everything else. We say well, the world is approximately 50% women, so approximately at least some part of your reading should be women. But this we don't demand. 
regarding translated fiction. So again, sorry. <laughs> My little rant, I did say to Travis that I want to do a translated fiction episode at some point, but you then, totally should. then I didn't have time. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, should we be demanding stuff from the publishers? Because we, I guess, have a platform of some kind. Should we be demanding more from the readers? I don't know. I think it ties up with um, the like the topic of problematic stuff. Uh, mm. I I feel like like you said, we as readers are expected to do some work. We are expected to be sensitivity readers post facts like when something is missed by the editors when the book is out there and we read it and we're like oh that's 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 a weird thing to that's i did not expect this book to have anti-semitism for example and you think that you think that it would have been flagged down by the <laughs> editor at some point but no <laughs> so I, I don't know. Uh, you know, that's what annoys me about the whole problematic situation is that, you know, get more diverse editors so we don't have... I mean, uh, to be completely honest, the book I was thinking about, say, um, like Never Nice by Jay Christoph, I I didn't get it. Like, I didn't notice the whole blood libel aspect of it at all. But the fact is, people did see it after the fact, after the book has been out for, I don't know how many years. And you'd think that someone in the editing team would have been like, uh, are we sure we're going with this? Um, so I don't know if, what can we demand from publishers, more diverse editing teams, for example. It's one of those things too, where like, the further down the rabbit hole you go, the further you kick the can down the road, you kind of come into more problems too, yeah. Because, of course, if you had a more diverse editing team in all of the major publishers, then there would be people on hand to catch these issues. Or, you know, if they spent more money on sensitivity reads and seeked that kind of stuff out. But be completely honest, publishing as an industry is very fucking outdated. Like it's set up so that editors, authors, etc., are kind of expected to pull full time hours while earning a part time wage. And there's not many people in those teams. Like, if you look at any science fi fiction, like Infant, there's what, maybe 20 people in the team. So, if you need a more diverse staff, then, you know, someone needs to leave, someone needs to get fired or quit their job. Yeah, so where does the box stop? Yeah, I'm not saying that us as readers and, well, with our little platform, we don't have a responsibility to be careful of what we're promoting, be careful of what we are reading sometimes, but it feels a bit heavy <laughs> to be reading and expecting something. Like when you read a debut, for example, an author you don't know, Especially if the person isn't on social media, you don't know them. You don't know how they think. You don't know how they believe, what they believe in. And then you start a book and it's like a gamble. Am I going to find some shit I'm going to be mad about that it's not, you know, it's not edgy, not something that makes you think. No, just bad shit, you know? 
Uh, and yeah, you take uh, you take the chance chance every time you you start a book by someone you don't know, someone that hasn't been reviewed by someone you know, and you have to read with that with that thing in your mind, with that belief that maybe you're going to get hurt or really annoyed by a book. And yeah, that's it's it's weird. I, I didn't do it before becoming a blogger. I didn't read like this. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm gonna pick up a book and. Huh, yeah, I didn't read it critically at all, which was, you know, happier times. I mean, I think that's part of the whole, it hits on, like, if there's a systemic issue, like, trying to solve it with small, discrete instances with like, oh, like, you over there, you need to read like this way or whatever. And so I feel like for most people, I don't really think that it's their responsibility as like casual readers who read a handful of books a year to like really dive deep into that and like try to critically think about what they're picking up. But since, I mean, all of us read like lots of books per year and we have somewhat of a platform compared to someone who's just like reading a book and throws up a review on Goodreads, I think like we do have a little bit more of that responsibility to shoulder. Yeah. But like, how do we handle this? For example, if we're sent an advanced copy, uh, what's, I don't think, uh, yeah, it did happen to me. Uh, with a book, um, but it was really at the very beginning of our blogging adventure. I found a lot of it weird. Uh, every time there's a story that involves people from the deserts or people from desertic places, this isn't going to to end well. This this isn't if it's written by a white man, especially. I'm just bracing myself, and it had so many. Moment that I felt uncomfortable, but I didn't feel like I could say it. Uh, and I didn't feel like I could just ignore the advanced copy, which I mean, I do that for books I do enjoy. Right now, I completely ignore the NetGalley uh, arcs waiting for me, but at the time, I was like the little blogger who just started and didn't want to piss off the uh, publishers and publicists. So I reviewed it and was like, kind of positive because yeah the story was good but i didn't feel like i could say this book made me uncomfortable at some points and i'm not sure if it's me or if it's the book so how, how do we handle this how do you guys do it i think there's kind of like levels to it depending on what the kind of problematic aspect is yeah because, I mean, on one hand, you've got just, like, problematic authors who come out and say some shit on Twitter, and you're like, oh, well, in the bed you go. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. It's so easy when they do that. It's easy. It gets, yeah. yeah, it's so good. I'm making oh, my okay. job okay. so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it's, like, an instance in a book of something, and there's levels, because there's something, it might be, like, a portrayal that you think the author's kind of put some thought into, but it's coming across really badly to you. So you feel like, okay, I need to mention this. This is, in my opinion, racist. You need to call it out, you know? But I think in other instances, there's like maybe portrayals of racism or homophobia or transphobia or, you know, any sort of prejudice. And what I've kind of started to do is just mention that it exists, you know, like... People who read reviews, people who go and look for reviews, they're smart people. They can make their own decisions. If you give them the context and it's like, okay, here is what is in the book. This might be an issue for you. This is exactly what it's covering and kind of make up your own mind. Do you know what I mean? I guess 
usually if it's a book that I find problematic, I would usually not actually review it for the blog. I would just, I mean, like if I, not, not like a little bit problematic, but like, okay, I don't like this word anyway, but if I find it racist or sexist or something else, then often I will not review it for the blog. I'll just throw up something on Goodreads because I don't want to give them publicity anyway. But if it was like an arc or something, I mean, okay, one time I kind of, I, I guess I trashed a book for being, in my opinion, kind of anti-Semitic, but... um <laughs> Oh God, I remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not going to mention it here, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> I think that there definitely is also levels. Like, for example, there are some, how should I put it? Uh, there are books which, in my opinion, do not handle certain topics gracefully or, or, or properly, or I mean, in a good way, let's say. Um, things about like feminism, etc., where they're trying to be this, but I feel like they fail in several key issues. And for me, that's like that's a book that I am willing to like critique, but um, not necessarily be like, oh, it's problematic. But then there are other books which just are racist or homophobic or transphobic, etc. And I feel like maybe it would be good if we could also just draw a line between, you know, things which are. I don't know, bad and things which are like, well, there are some things which are, which I think can be critiqued. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That would mean nuance, but you know. I think at some points the nuance is kind of maybe the source of some of the aggregate around these issues though, because, you know, a white guy reading a book with problematic elements might be like, okay, well, this isn't too big a deal. But then it might matter to someone else who is like, well, no, this is a big fucking deal for me and I'd like to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But to some extent, I sort of feel like that's, I don't know, a part of me is like, well, it's just natural that for some people things are caught and for some other people they're not caught. Because, I mean, this is just the way everything works, right? Like if it's something that concerns you, you know much more about it. And maybe this is like one of the issues that we expect bloggers to be experts on everything, but we're really not. We're only experts on issues which concern us. And so it's not bad if a person doesn't catch it. I don't expect people to catch things which are related to, I don't know, Ukrainian things, um, which really hurt me. I am also, I find the fact that the never knife thing went by without anybody noticing more funny than anything else personally, because um, when I told it to my dad, who is half Jewish, he was like, ah, very immediately. So it's definitely like some people catch these things and some people don't. But I think the problem comes when we maybe expect everybody to catch everything. And I think this is maybe where the tension lies. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so this is a great discussion and we could go on forever about this. I do want to move us on to a slightly different aspect of this topic, though, just in the interest of time. Um, and that's so let me propose, you know, this completely hypothetical situation that I'm sure has never happened to anyone before. But what do you do if you love a book or at least like a book and then suddenly you find out that the author is a jerk, not a nice person? Uh, how do we approach that? With tears. <laughs> Yeah, it depends how much of a jerk they are. <laughs> I think there are two things in our case. Uh, there's the reading, the act of reading and buying the book and uh, supporting the author by buying their book and the act of promoting the book, which can be just talking about it on social media because we do have a small platform, each of us. Uh, and we have uh, the Discord 
see, I'm plugging the Discord, uh, the Discord community where we kind of like everyone has this power to make other people pick up a book. So I guess what I'm saying is that if I really want to read a book and I know I do not like the author or what they've been doing or how they've been acting, I will read it in secret. I am ashamed of that do that, but I will just like, it's not on Goodreads, it won't appear on my Twitter feed. Everything appears on my Twitter feed every time I, everything that goes in my head is on Twitter, but I hide this, like I will hide the fact that I'm reading this book. If it's an author that I cannot imagine supporting, even with a four euro for a Kindle edition of their book, then no, I won't read them at all. If, for example, they're bigots, no, no way. If they're just jerks, yeah, I will read their books in in secret. <laughs> That's my shame. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone's kind of got the, they have to draw their own lines in the sand with these kind of things, yeah. There's a bunch of different factors too, like Harry Potter is probably the elephant in the room here, yeah. Like, we all know what the fuck J.K. Rowling gets up to. But that's kind of at the kind of critical mass point. It was such a big part of pop culture that people have like, really lovely memories tied to things like going to see the happy 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 Potter when he was at the <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Uh, going to see the Harry Potter movies with like a girlfriend on the first date or something like that kind of thing that you can't really divorce yourself from mm-hmm. so it becomes a bit of a different discussion than you know I read book one in a series I really liked it and then I don't know the author kicked a dog and posted it on Twitter or something I don't know or said some things about Star Wars on Twitter, which made you believe that they are really conservative. <laughs> well, it's hypothetical. It never happened. I think personally, I just know I'm a hypocrite about things like that. Like, it obviously depends on like how bad the bad thing was. I'm I'm not gonna read um, the Mist of Avalon author. I never I never started in for books, and I never will. But I mean, if it turned out tomorrow that like actually Terry Pratchett kicked dogs, then I will be like, well, <laughs> sucks for the dog. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I mean, like, I, it's cool if some people have a very strict, genuine, like strict moral opinion on this, and I think that's like that's honorable, that's totally justifiable. I admire that, but I know that I myself don't. Like, I just, I just don't. And I feel like of the things that I want to change about myself, this is not like the highest priority. So for now, I'm just like, oh, sorry, that's maybe not the correct answer. But yeah, I don't think there is a correct answer. <laughs> and how about you, Trav? I mean, I, I guess I have a couple of thoughts on this. One of them being that I feel like a lot of kind of the passionate discourse that goes around you know frequently on twitter because it is the platform with the most nuance and uh, kind-hearted individuals um, but like a, a lot of the the strife comes from putting all of the responsibility on the reader right like none of us should have to feel ashamed that like okay yes we're aware that an author is a shitty human being and we love their writing right like it is possible to like read a book and you are what a drop in the ocean compared to 
the other sales that they could be getting or or your impact on that author's career, right? So it's more on how you personally feel about it. And there's a big difference between reading a book and then turning around and saying like, oh, hey, everyone in the world, this is the best book ever. I'm going to do everything I can to get everyone I know, everyone on my social media platform to buy and support this book, right? Like there's, yeah. there's a big difference. And I feel like like you can read a book that you might feel a little conflicted about without doing that potentially. And then that's why I don't like like all the, oh, shame on you for reading Harry Potter still in this day and age. It's like, well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why someone might personally really like Harry Potter or find it really meaningful. But to go around and saying, oh, J.K. Rowling is an upstanding moral individual and you should support her work. Uh, those are two different things to mm-hmm. me. See, I should edit that part. I should edit that part where you say those stuff about J.K. Rowling. You know, so that would be revenge. Yeah, but then, you, then you'd actually have to edit audio, sorry. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? So yeah, there's that. And then also there's a difference between, oh, like there's a moral reason for reading a book and then also, or not reading a book, I guess in this case. And then there's also like, because of the stuff I know about this person, I just would no longer enjoy reading their work. Um, like morals aside, like I just wouldn't be the same experience anymore. So for me, that might be, hey, there's an author who has personally made a friend of mine break down and cry. I am not going to be able to get around that if I pick up their book and read it, right? Like I'm always going to have that in the back of my head. Uh, I don't think that necessarily this is a person that needs to be boycotted forever, but like at the same time, like I'm not going to be able to enjoy their writing anymore, which in my opinion is very different than like a moral stance on the issue. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel it's harder to like, Knowing how the sausage is made as bloggers, it's getting like sometimes harder to pick up books and just, you know, <laughs> enjoy them. Okay, then yes and no, yeah. I mean, I guess we've all kind of had that moment where we're in a bookshop or something and there's a bunch of names that we now know. So it's kind of like a game of, okay, good guy, good guy, wank, wank, <laughs> yes. good guy. Like, but... I do that with, uh, with when I visit bookstores with people who aren't who are readers, but who aren't in the Twitter like whole thing. Uh, this person is an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, you. For, for the Americans in our audience, when you say good guy, good guy, wank, wank, are you calling other people wankers or something else? <laughs> no, yes, I'm not saying good guy, he's a good guy, I'm going to have a wank. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh what do you think of bookstores allow over here, man? <laughs> I think they're used to it. People are passionate about books, okay? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> they have tissues at all. No one who opened this fucking episode expected it to end with me wanking in a bookshop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got our pull quote for the episode now. (laughs) Okay, uh, on that note, though, does anybody have any final thoughts or any other points that they want to hit? I wanted to say, okay, I think also a big part of this is just, I'm sorry, but it's just the book community on Twitter in general. Maybe it's the book community in general. Because I feel like for the past month, I've stopped going on Twitter and I've started being like, oh, well, you know, like if it's genuinely really bad, then I'll hear about it. But otherwise, like all of the smaller drama, I'm just letting it go by me. I mean, I'm also not reading much at the moment, (laughs) but I feel like maybe some things are maybe less problematic 
than they seem because they are kind of, we're all kind of in this book community bubble. Sorry, I feel like I'm very negative about everything in this episode. <laughs> stop going on booktube, stop going on book Twitter, just read about bilingual children. <laughs> Do you know that the author abused their pet llama? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just feel like not like things are made... I don't want to I don't want to like play down things because I think that's not that's not correct either but I feel like maybe we stress about a lot of things like for example like Sarah is stressing about being judged by other people for reading a book like you're hiding that you're reading a book it's it's like if you think about it if you try to explain this to a normal person who is not part of this it's like what <laughs> Yeah yeah but at the same time you kind of feel like this responsibility and this guilt because I'm not saying like, oh my god, I have so many followers, they trust me to guide them through. No, I'm just saying, you, I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I mostly talk positively about books. So when I talk about books on Twitter, it means, yeah, go read it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, but not that, like, not like, not that you should promote it, because I don't think you should, if you think it's racist or whatever, that would be bad. Nah. But like, but that you feel like guilt that you're actually reading it like for the book i'm thinking about it lasted until page two i guess i think i I know which book you're talking about yeah (laughs) i think you do yeah and then i was like oh my god i love this it was a great book so (laughs) it was really a great book i loved it i'm not saying which book so yeah (laughs) i just i don't know i mean there's also i don't know our mental health to take care of to some extent right like I don't know. I think it's a complicated situation with like Twitter and this kind of like small time famousness. Let's put it like that, where we don't have, I don't know, like there's nobody we can consult, right? We just, we're just trying to do the best we can. Yeah. I mean, can I come back to the fucking metaphor that I'm going to butcher? It's not our fault that the sea turtles are dying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 As we said before, we all have like these uh, criteria in our head um, where if this author behaves like this, we like, okay, they're being a jerk, but I think I can still support them. But, you know, there are lines that cannot be crossed. I guess we all have that line somewhere. And the fact is we have to be mindful of other people's lines and realize that some people won't enjoy the experience of reading that book and will find it maybe annoying at best, offensive at worst. So I don't know. I have to admit that I did uh, soft block uh, some people on Twitter who seem to have, I mean, I'm sure it's in good faith. I hope it's in good faith, but their whole identity on Twitter is to find the issue find the issue and amplify it and i'm like yeah this is a good service you're doing i guess because i i mean i yeah it's good to know that this person behaved like this said that in this interview five years ago but i don't know i just do not want to know and also this stream of negativity it's not healthy for me so yeah you I'm going to just block you just, yeah, for my mental health. Because as you said, Jenya, if it's really big, I will 
No, that's eventually. But if it's like, oh, the author in an interview like 10 years ago said something, oh my God. Unless the something was, oh, I do love murdering babies. That's my favorite hobby. I'm not sure like we can judge that also there's something i, I know trav you're looking at the recording that's like 15 minutes now but um a lot of queer authors are sometimes attacked because their content isn't you know it can be a bit more what's the word a bit ya4 for some people <laughs> why why it, it won't age well YA for yeah it's a bit YA for for some people um yeah it can be like more uh, complex and messy and um like codependent codependent relationships and you'd have you will have someone on twitter saying oh my god this book romanticizes abuse or something i'm like no first of all it's an adult book so we, we are all adults capable of knowing the difference between fiction and uh, and like real life. And to let authors like write through their trauma, write through their experience, write through their own like lives without being policed. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess just to kind of mention it before we wrap up, yeah, like there has been multiple instances of a, uh, authors of colour or queer authors held to a higher standard of these kind mm-hmm. of things, which, mm-hmm. you know, you can have a whole discussion about that, but I'm just going to say it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> That's well summed up. <laughs> yeah. I guess, sorry, I, I I just feel like from talking to you guys, I guess I feel like maybe what would be somehow more interesting is more like critiques, even if they're very harsh critiques, but just like, you know, not just like this author did bad, which and then like and then that's the end of it i guess maybe this is where also it leads to more like drama or whatever but because i like hearing people be like no this is bullshit point by point i think this is really interesting to read um and i think it's important when people do this but more in that direction and less less in the way that it is at the moment yeah more thing bad in my opinion and here's why and less thing bad yeah yeah but you know, Twitter has limited characters. So is it is it is it like primarily on Twitter that this stuff happens? Because I'm thinking like I haven't been on Reddit um, fantasy or fantasy for a while. Was it the same sort of vibe? I don't think Twitter helps, but I think it is a kind of wider community. I think Reddit. Uh, it's harder on Reddit because well, it is mod first. Yeah. I mean, the demographics are different, right? Yeah, yeah, that too, yeah. I think Twitter has that huge community and everything seems so much more impactful and scary when when it happens on Twitter. And then you log off and realize, oh, yeah, no, actually, the word is still here, so... It's like the immediacy of it, yeah, because you feel like you're caught up in the moment and everything's like always in the present. Travis is being really a moderator here. Like, what's your opinion, Travis? <laughs> yeah, should we cancel Tolkien? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> but okay, yeah, so I mean this this has been a really good discussion. Um I guess 
Now it's time to turn the question to our audience. So oh my God. <laughs> how do you feel about reading problematically? Uh, are you able to kind of separate the books that you read from the writers who wrote them? Uh, how intentional are you about what you choose to pick up for your next read? Have you ever audited what you've read in the past and really taken stock? Uh, and I mean, seriously, if you have any answers, we'd love to hear them, obviously. Uh, as always, you can find us online at thefantasyn.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as The Fantasy Inn. And if you'd like to chat books and random nonsense with us in real time, we'd love to have you in our Discord server. And I think that's a wrap. That's all for this week. Until next time. You know, there's something very funny about trashing Twitter for a whole episode and then ending the episode with, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, well, I love Twitter and I hate Twitter, so yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting we're all going to get cancelled. Yay! For this episode. What? <laughs> oh my god, if I get cancelled, I might have time to read. Ah, that would be so good. <laughs> that should be the tagline of this episode. <laughs> you guys are all getting cancelled for like normal book Twitter stuff. I've wanked in a bookshop, man. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh God.